Welcome to a special live broadcast of Recruit Graduation. My name is Andrew, your host, and on behalf of myself and our team, we want to thank you for being part of our military family. Welcome to Episode 8 and to my guest, Active Duty Technical Sergeant Joshua Humble. Nice to meet you, Joshua. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on board here. Absolutely. So just to let you know, I've never done a live Facebook podcast before, but we have this going out to our Facebook page, which has all the different branches. And mainly, you know, these are all families with loved ones at boot camp graduation. So I already see people joining here, Joshua. So we're just going to have them give us some questions, you know, throughout the podcast here. And hey, Linda, thanks for joining us. Hey, Crystal. And I'll let you, you know, field those questions. But why don't we start with Kind of give us a little bit of backdrop of how you got into the Air Force and got to your current current position. Absolutely. Well, um, I'm from Marysville, Ohio, so it's a little bit southwest of Columbus. And I did drywall with my father, um, which he had owned a successful drywall company. Um, now, basically, I just realized it's not something I wanted to do long term, you know, per- personally. So I started looking at different avenues. Uh, saw the Air Force talked to a recruiter, and as far as the Air Force was concerned, they're basically their, you know, their mantra and the education opportunities, the training opportunities that are provided through the Air Force, of course, along with all the other various branches as well, um, were something that I, I definitely wanted to pursue in order to, you know, create a solid foundation for my future. So I joined the Air Force 2005 uh, as a transportation logistics specialist got to see and do a lot of different things. I was deployed uh, four separate times, Afghanistan, Bahrain, Qatar, and Iraq as well. So eventually, fast forward to 2013, uh, I wanted to kind of change gears a little bit, go to recruiting, because the Air Force had done so many things for me that I I thought to myself, you know, I don't think I could continue um, forward in my career without one, making a change and just widening the breadth of my experience, but two, also kind of just sharing my story with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so from talking to kids who were, you know, 16, uh, 15, 16, you know, 18, 25 years old, um, everybody is in different stages of their life and, and wanting to see what opportunities, you know, the military may have for them uh, because it, you know, it may, may not be working out for them on the civilian sector or uh, they want to plan ahead while being in school. So I've been a recruiter since 2016, and uh, I did my first tour of recruiting in Tampa, Florida. And in 2000, or sorry, 2013 is when I started in Tampa, Florida. In 2016, I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, where I started focusing on the officer sessions. Okay. And that's where I am now. That's great. And I think, you know, from the Marine Corps, I guess from my experience, you know, being a recruiter, you know, oh, I don't want to do that. But I feel the same way you do. I mean, that's the number one way where you can give back. You're the one with the experience and you're the one and, and you've got your bachelor's and your master's degree while you are active duty. And I think what that's a huge plus for those individuals that maybe they don't have a direction out of high school and they're looking to get into a career, but they're not quite sure what to do. And so can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the parents or the guardian of these young men and women? Yeah, absolutely. The you know relationship I had with them, uh, I would say there was a lot more dialogue with me and the parents with those individuals who are more um, younger, 
So, you know, obviously you're talking 16, 17, you know, 18, and, and you know, some, some older individuals as well uh, who maybe had prior service parents, for example, um, or those who did not, who were not prior service, but still had some major concerns. And, and maybe their their child wasn't asking the questions or their young adult was not asking the questions that they wanted the answers to. So they kind of just, you know, would make contact with me to get that reassurance. Um you know, sometimes I think we can all agree, you know, our kids don't communicate with us like we wish they would. So that's when they kind of went straight to the source. You know, they would talk to myself, the recruiter, and I would explain to them, you know, about the, the process uh, when they would leave, you know, when you would see them again, when they would, you know, return home before going to their onward duty assignment, et cetera. Um, and also just talking a lot about the lifestyle, the lifestyle too. You know, a lot of times with, with these uh, families think, is, you know, when their kid goes off to the military, you know, they're packing a bag and they're not going to see him for a couple of years. You know, they're going to come back with a big old satchel on their back. And, you know, this isn't, it's not the Vietnam, you know, um, it's different now. You know, we have Skype, we have FaceTime, we have, you know, all these electronical means, electronic means communication. So things have definitely changed. Um, you know, basically at the end of the day, the parents just want to be sure that, you know, their, their, their child is not, you know, gone. You know, that they're completely 100% accessible. And I think uh, a lot of these skewed opinions that they might have about, you know, or, or concerns they may have are just due to, you know, not, not asking the question or the answer not being easily accessible. Right. And I think, you know, you're right with the technology. And that's probably the number one question I get on a daily basis is, you know, how do we communicate with our recruit? You know, and that's always through letters and occasional phone calls. Um, I just want to just take a stop real quick and introduce you again because we've got some new people that joined here on Facebook. So I have Technical Sergeant Joshua Humble, Active Duty Air Force. So if you do have some questions, it doesn't have to be Air Force related, but we can't really get into too many specifics for the other branches since he's Air Force. But um, if you've got some general questions that about your, your loved one's future in the military, whether it be education, benefits, there are so many you know, avenues that these young folks can take in a military career. So Joshua, when someone enters into the military, do they have in mind, I'm doing four years, I'm doing eight, I'm going to make this a career. When does the, you know, the person make that decision and how do you encourage them to think about that? Well, when I begin, you know, talking to the individual, I think what's important is to figure out what drives them, you know, um, you've got to know what drives these individuals because, you know, being in the service, you know, it is, uh, you know, it, it's not like the civilian sector. You know, there are some things asked of you um, that are not asked of of uh, a large portion of the rest of the population. You know, so i got to make sure that, you know, when I talk to these individuals, they have the right mindset. They're not here because mom or dad wants them to be here. They're not here because, you know, their uncle said that that's what they should do. You know, they're there because they looked at, you know, their opportunities and wanted to learn more about that and how the Air Force can help them meet their goals. Uh, so talking with them, you know, figure out what drives them and also just kind of peeling back the onion, I guess you could say, you know, because you talk to young individuals from all walks of life and each one of them have a different reason to be in your office, you know, when they talk to you. So it's about figuring out who this person is what is important to them? Why do they want to be in the Air Force? And actually, and without a doubt, can the Air Force help them? You know, is the Air Force right for them? Mm-hmm. You know, because I can't tell you how many countless times I've, I've talked to a young individual and the Air Force just wasn't in the cards for them. You know, um, so 
I would walk them next door. I would walk them to the Navy's office. I would walk them to the Army's office, the Marines, Coast Guard, because I knew at the end of the day, being in the armed forces, uh, without a doubt, creates an incredible professional foundation for these young individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter how I looked at them or, or saw that maybe they weren't looking or thinking 10 years down the road, I was doing that for them. I said, look, you know, man, or, you know, you know, ma'am, um, you know, what do you want to do, you know, when you get out of the Air Force? Or what do you want to do when you get out of high school or college, whatever the case may be? And, and for a lot of them, you know, they had uh, these big plans, but they didn't know how to get there. Education is a huge barrier. Right. So coming into the armed forces, that's kind of what I could tell them is, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to school right now. You know, um, I'm, I'm active duty. I, I work, you know, 45 hours a week. You know, I go to school when I'm able to do so. Um, you know, and it's not like traditional school. I'm not going to class for four years full time. You know, I'm not a full time student. So, you know, it also um, it's, it's helpful to explain to them just kind of how that process works. You know, you join the Air Force, you complete your training, you know, you complete everything you need in order to live and operate in the Air Force and be successful at your job. Um, and then you start looking at college because, you know, when that year four comes up or that year six comes up, you want to be in a place where you can make the decision of whether or not you want to stay in the Air Force or whether or not you want to separate and do something um, and do something else, you know, do something different because it's not uh, 20 years in the service is not for everybody. So it's just about letting them know, hey, when you sign up to join the Air Force or, or any other branch, you're not signing up 20 years or more. You're signing up for four years or six years, and you're going to do your time, and you're going to decide if you like it. Uh, and if you don't like it, then separate. You know, But at least you have all the tools in your toolbox when you separate from the service to be successful on the outside. And I think that's what's extremely important for them to understand, is you need to be thinking years down the road, not about right now. Right. Only think right now about what you need to do. And how long, you know, how involved is the recruiter? You know, once you, they come in, they see you, they decide they want to join. How far does your relationship go with them? You should be, you should be close with the applicant, you know, based on understanding who they are as a person, as an individual. Um, you know, you have to, like I said, peel back the onion and figure out what the need is. Why do they want to be in the Air Force? Why are they here in your office? And they're going to tell you some, you know, maybe some surface level need or say, you know, hey, I just need a job, right? Well, all right, you know, tell me a little bit more about this. You know, why do you need a job? And then you find out, well, because they, they come from not having any money. You know, they come uh, from being in a place where, you know, education is not easily, easily accessible to them. You know, maybe they were underprivileged, you know. So you start to learn a lot more about a person. So in doing so, you know, you learn more about who they are, the personality, you know, you guys get along, you, you know, of course you keep things professional, but at the same time, you know, these individuals need to be comfortable with you as a recruiter and understand you are there to help them, you know? Um, so it's definitely a relationship where you are a mentor, you are a guide, you know, you are, you are somebody to them. They can go to for answers and you know, and they should know and understand that you're going to give them honest assessment. You're going to tell them the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, so I think that it's important to have a good, solid relationship with these individuals that go just beyond the paperwork. You know, uh, you got to understand who they are. How many How many folks have you uh, brought into the uh, enlisted ranks? Oh, goodness. <laughs> uh, well, in 2015, uh, I was awarded an accolade 
Uh, and I know that the accolade stage and how many people I put into the service from 2013 to 16, I think it was around 200 and some individuals. Wow. That's a lot of, a lot of lives you have touched and, do you keep so? Let, so let's kind of transition into boot camp. And they, you know, they, they're recruits. How many do you know that have you know completed boot camp? Have you, do you hear back from them? You know, I go through the mantra of no news is good news. Um, a lot of individuals uh, have reached out to me uh, who have completed basic training and moved on to their follow-on assignment, and you know are. are proud of themselves and just wanted to share that and uh which i was more than happy to you know communicate with them and explain to them how proud i was of them and everything and you know thinking about who they are now and um you know just making it making sure that they do it's a huge achievement and and a lot of them of course you know they move on and uh i don't of course ask anybody to reach out to me because at the end of the day you know i know they're busy they got a lot of stuff to do and and i'm you know it's a small air force i'm sure i'll see them again at some point in time um, but at the end of the day, uh, no, I don't receive a lot of, of communication from the individuals I put in. Um, some I have through, you know, they have questions uh, in regards to their career moving forward. You know, some of them are moving up to the NCO ranks and things of that nature. And they've asked me questions about, hey, what can I do to make my annual evaluation stronger? What can I do for PT uh, to, to make myself stronger? Or what did you do in this situation? Stuff like that. I've had a couple of those, and I think that I feel good when I get those types of questions because I know that I left a lasting impression on them, and they actually they trust me. Mm-hmm. And and that's great. And I think do you get do you get a lot of questions from parents after the recruit leaves and heads to boot camp? I have I have had some. Um, you know, they don't come in droves. And a lot of the questions, they vary just based on the individual. But, yeah, I've absolutely had parents call me and ask me questions while their group was in basic training or even tech school. Um, just ask, you know, questions about, uh, you know, things that they were curious about when they would see them again, things of that nature. And, again, a lot of it does come down to the group. You know, sometimes they're not as good at communicating, you know, as we wish they were. But uh, they do get that information you know, when they're in basic training and, and uh, they should be communicating that, you know, to their relatives and things of that nature. Um, but I've always encouraged parents that if they have a question, please contact me without a doubt. No question about it. And it doesn't matter what time it is because we got to make sure that, you know, they're happy too. You know, when, when somebody joins the Air Force, it's a family affair. It's not just one individual. Your family's doing it too. Absolutely. Um, for for everybody that just joined, I want to introduce Technical Sergeant Joshua Humble. He's an Air Force, active duty Air Force uh, recruiter, and he's on to field some questions. So if any of you have any questions, just send them over the live chat. Um, keep them pretty general. Um, you know, if you're from the Air Force and you have a specific question, he can definitely try to answer that. So feel free to ask some questions and I'll pass them over to Joshua. So, but we do have a good crowd, so I appreciate everybody showing up. And again, I thank you, Joshua, for taking the time to to join us for about 30 minutes here to go over. Um, this is a real sensitive time. You know, a lot of parents, loved ones are really worried about their recruits because of the virus. And I know you don't know a lot and can't really get, you know, get into this too much, but what would be your recommendation? You know, you talked about communication and, and the recruits are very busy anyway at boot camp. What kind of reassurance can you provide some of the loved ones on the being patient and understanding of the process? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would completely understand uh, those concerns. At the end of the day, 
I think that we, we can all uh, completely agree that a situation like this is, is I guess, unprecedented in our generation. Um, and without a doubt, we are learning as we continue to move forward with, you know, all the uh, new things that we're learning in, in regards to, you know, what's going on. I think what the concern is with a lot of parents, of course, like you mentioned, is, you know, they want to know their, their, uh, their child is safe, you know. At the end of the day, with the Air Force, you know, when these individuals go to basic training, for example, uh, you know, they're quarantined for 14 days. They make sure everybody's 100% good to go, no issues, no health complications or anything like that. And then they move towards their training. Uh, training right now is considered, uh, you know, critical. So we have to make sure that we are still continuing to send our, you know, the individuals to basic training, to technical school to learn their specialty and so on. Um, so as far as, you know, what's going on at basic training and things like that, you know, it's difficult for me to 100% um, give accurate information because things are developing, you know, at all times throughout the day, um, and especially at much higher levels, you know, than myself. So I, I leave that kind of stuff to, to the professionals, you know, but at the end of the day on the recruit side and the, and the recruiter side of things, um, I know that these individuals are definitely being closely monitored. They're at basic training. Um, so as far as their concerns are concerned are, are with anything in relative to worrying about the child or when they're going to hear from stuff like that, I think patience is definitely a, a huge thing right now that uh, we would ask, you know, those parents to, to practice. Um, I know if one would call me right now and be concerned, I would just let them know, hey, I'm sorry about the situation. I know it's confusing. I know it's, you know, you're bouncing from one end to the other. You're trying to figure out, you know, kind of how to, you know, understand the whole situation. But as you're trying to understand it, we are also learning new things and trying to understand as well. But the one thing that we know for sure is, you know, your child is safe. You know, they're doing what they need to do right now. The Air Force is taking care of them, and there's nothing to be concerned about. Now, um, we, we do have a question, and Linda is, and, and this may not be Air Force specific, but maybe you could tailor it, but she's asking, can you explain the four phases of training? Does the Air Force have any different types of, of phases during recruit training? Well, as far as the, and uh, what we have to understand, a lot of this is, when I reference back basic training, I'm referencing back 15 years ago. You know, True. so as far as phases are concerned in basic training, I know that there are phases in tech school and technical training. When these individuals go to school for their job, there are phases. Um, and I can explain those phases in just one second. As far as basic training is concerned, I'm not aware of any phases. Um, so I can't really confirm or deny whether or not there are specific phases. But I know that the way the phases work in technical school is, you know, each week an individual or each every two weeks, three weeks, whatever the case may be, and it depends on how long their their school is, they move up to different phases. And what those phases are is those phases allow those individuals more freedom. You know, so uh, eventually, you know, when you get to your your technical training, you know, you're in school Monday through Friday, you're learning your job, you're studying, you're, you know, laying low, doing what it is you need to be doing. Um, But as you move on towards through continued phases, you get more freedom, you know, which means you can go off post, you know, things of that nature. So those are the only references I really have towards phases in regards to tech school specifically. Um, But as far as any other branches are concerned, I can't be completely certain of what 
you know, what that may or may not look like. Okay, that's perfect. Um, and Linda, I will say that, you know, normally in any boot camp, you know, no matter what branch, you know, you have different phases. You know, you have your initial introduction phase. There's always a weapons phase. There's always a PFT or a physical and swimming phase. Um, and then for the Navy, you know, you have your battle stations at the end, and that's going to be that culmination phase. And I'm not using probably all the right terminology, but, you know, there are definitely phases that they go through that builds their skills. And I guess that leads to my another question, Joshua. When you talk to these young men and women, you know, what would be that one thing you would tell them or a couple of things to, to focus on? You know, it's not a lot of them are coming in there. I just need a job. I just need an escape. But at the end of the day, like you said at the beginning, you are going to transition out of the military. And so, you know, I tell a lot of people that I work with journal, keep a journal, you know, keep keep an updated resume on what you're doing day to day, because four years is a long time and you're going to learn a lot in that four years and you're going to forget. So how do you, you know, influence or, or recommend to these young men and women to, you know, Hey, focus on these areas. Don't forget about these things because four years is going to come around and you're going to need to get a job when you get out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, this actually makes me think I have two brothers in the air force right now who joined, uh, within the past three years. And, you know, when I'm talking to my brothers, I mean, you, you know, of course we can all imagine I'm, I'm giving them the best possible advice I could possibly be giving them. Um, and I think with them, you know, what I kind of focused on was just letting them know, Hey, you know, be the person that, you know, goes a step above at all times. And that involves personally and professionally, you know, personally, um, you know, you need to be focusing on your education. You know, when that opportunity comes, and you have, you find you have the free time. You need to focus on your education because if it's one thing that we know doesn't go away, it is a degree that is in a picture frame, you know, and that'll never go away. And that's something you can put on your resume. It's something you're always going to carry with you. So focus on the things that are going to make you successful on the outside because you have to always be finding ways to stand out beyond the crowd. You always have to find ways to make yourself look different. And it's not always going to be by saying, hey, I was in the Air Force, you know, um, so it has to be something that's really going to show your professional, you know, knowledge, um, because we know that the knowledge you gain in the Air Force, you know, as far as being a leader, a manager, you know, carrying out, you know, any one operation that you may be, you know, ordered to do, you know, you're leading people, you know, you need to be able to transition that and take that to the civilian sector, you know, so you got to make sure, like you said, always keep an updated resume. You know, and if you plan on doing 20 years in the Air Force, it's not it's not a bad de- idea to continue to do that because you can look back and, and take that experience and write that resume for what it is you want to be doing. Mm. You know, you, we always have to let, learn how to take our experience and, and kind of do a, make it forward thinking. You know, put it on a resume because we want these individuals to see what we've accomplished, but what, you know, how the experience we have translates to what, to the job that we're seeking. Got it. I always tell them, focus on the education, focus on going above and beyond. You know, you want to be the go-to guy, the go-to girl. You know, that's the one you want to be uh, because at the end of the day, there are uh, benefits, you know, that relate to that. You know, a lot of it is, you know, if there's, uh, you know, a training opportunity and we can only take five people and we got a team of, you know, 25 well, you want to be one of those five people that they think about. And if, you know, you took this last year and you slacked off, you know, you might not 
be able to take advantage of that opportunity. So always be thinking about what may come up and always be thinking about the future, you know, when you do transition out of the military. I always tell people, be the expert in the room. And normally that's knowing maybe like three or 4% more than the next person. You know, a lot of people I found in the military, especially, and I don't know, I should say this or not. You know, I've, I've, as a second lieutenant, I'd go into meetings because I was an accounting officer and budget. So I had the money. So people listened to me, but I don't know how many times I go into a meeting with majors and colonels and, and generals. And all it took was for me to just hand out folders to everybody. And all of a sudden I was leading the meeting, you know? And so it was just kind of an interesting thing that you're right, just step up and it doesn't take a lot you know, to get that recognition and you don't have to have ego and pride in it. You just have to have that mentality of, you know, I want to do something more in my life and, you know, something, you know, bigger than myself. And there's nothing more than that than the military. So, Hey, Linda, um, I do have an answer for you. I'm not going to read it, but I will, we'll send it out. Uh, Dwayne did send me the phases, uh, the following phase ladder of privileges with Liberty and how they can dress. So I do have, have that information from Dwayne. And then we do have a question from uh, Myra, uh, and I can answer from the Marine Corps, but her question is, will they have access, I'm assuming the recruit, will the recruit have access to mail or phone calls when they have field training? So I was actually just talking about that today, Myra, and I apologize if I'm misspelling your name. Um, The Marine Corps, you do, when you go to the shooting range, you are away for a week. And mail does sometimes get delayed during that week. You don't necessarily get phone calls during that week. And I do know, seemingly, I think that last week in the Navy, where you have the battle stations and you've got graduation, you know, there's a good chance that some of those letters may not get delivered that last week. So, you know, I can just speak to that. Um, Joshua, what, what can, do you know anything about field training with the Air Force and mail and phone calls? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in regards to, you know, mail and phone calls during field training and things of that nature, as you said, obviously there's going to be a huge delay with that. Um, but I, I can recall being in the Air Force when I was in field training, uh, we didn't receive any mail or, or phone calls. We were we were in the field. Um, now, back then, we weren't also allowed to take our cell phones with us, which were being held by the drill instructors, you know, like they are now. Um, and basically they give them, uh, I, I believe, privileges with those if they meet, you know, certain criteria, um, as a, as, you know, as a flight, you know, if they're all, um, if they all do well. So as far as the mail is concerned, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that, you know, they're going to get that mail, um, because it will be without a doubt, probably delayed, uh, or they may not get it until they get back to their dormitory. Now, and you may not know this, but the air force is still doing live stream, right? The graduations. Yep. I believe that they are. Yep, I think so too. So, okay. Um, so we got about four minutes. So if you guys have any more questions, um, now I will say, and I'll let Joshua back me up on this. So as a Marine, anytime we would go to an Air Force base, it was completely awesome because our chow hall <laughs> was great. We didn't even have to oh, yeah. put our trays away. So, you know, yeah. talk a little bit about the life of an, of an active duty Air Force uh, person. Yeah. Tell you what, this is probably my favorite question because you know I love the Air Force, um, all the opportunities it has provided me. Uh, I have been able to travel all over the world and do things that I would have never dreamed about doing. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, when I talk to individuals 
and say, hey, man, you know, this is awesome. You know, you definitely, you, you absolutely have to do it. You know, there's there's no wrong. You know, there's, you can't go wrong with it, right? And, you know, I'm a recruiter, so they think I'm crazy, and they think, you know, I just want to get them in the Air Force and stuff like that, which I, I absolutely understand. Um, but for me, it's easy to say that because I know. You know, I, I know how excellent, how, how amazing it is, how the lifestyle is. And I, you know, I've spoken to tons of people in the Marines, you know, Navy, Coast Guard, you know, who, who love their service as well. Um, you know, and you find some that don't like it, right? It, it's really based on the individual. But at the end of the day, uh, lifestyle in the Air Force is, is, is pretty, you know, pretty regular. You know, at the end of the day, you, when you go to work, you know, you're suited and booted. You know, you're getting the job done. You're working with a great team of people. Um, the camaraderie that you have with these individuals you work with are unlike anything else you're ever going to find. You know, you're making friends and, and lifetime connections. And these actually translate a lot of the times to the civilian sector, too, because you may find a connection that you had a while ago that is in a position to help you. You know, the um, people who are in the service, they take care of people who are in the service. Um, but lifestyle in the Air Force, you know, I'm married with four kids, and, and if we, you know, we couldn't love it any more than we do now. You know, and we're always excited for what the next chapter brings. And at the end of the day, you know, you find yourself in a place you don't, really want to be let's say for example you know i've been stationed in florida i hate florida it's hot you know um but for some people they might absolutely love florida you know but at the end of the day i can't complain it's florida right um so you know you just take the best with any situation that you're given you know and um i guess for individuals who might find themselves in a place where there's not much to do you know i would tell them hey so be it you know i would tell them go to school you know, get your degree while you're so bored and there's nothing to do. Get your degree, get your education, right? And and when you leave that assignment, wherever that may be, you can look back and you can you can be proud of it and a major accomplishment. Um, but if, yeah, as far as the Air Force is concerned, I have um, nothing but amazing thing, amazing things to say about it, and uh, I'm privileged to be able to help individuals who want to learn more about the Air Force find out just how amazing that it is, really. Well, I, you're very inspiring, and I have no doubt when young men and women, women come in to see you that they know you're genuinely telling them the truth and you're not just trying to get them to sign on the dotted line. And, you know, my dad was in the Air Force, actually, and so not sure what his, his role was, but he told me, you know, they he, he was a radio tech. He worked on radios, and he'd always tell me okay. they'd take him up in the airplane and they would – the pilots would do their own testing. They would shut the engines off. <laughs> and he was like, he was always afraid those engines wouldn't come back on. So, yeah, but, right. but, but I just want to end on, on something that you said, you know, about fam family basically is what I heard you say in the military. And that's what it is. It's a community. And I can attest to that just right now because Dwayne is on with us. He's a volunteer. He's a Navy veteran. He volunteers with me and, and Crystal's on. She's an active duty mom. Uh, her son just went over four years in the Navy and they're helping me out. They're volunteering to help me out. And that's what that family's about. You know, Joshua responded to a LinkedIn message. I'm like, Hey, I'm looking for some people, you know, to be on a podcast to give some information to these loved ones. And I bet, I don't know, Joshua, I think there were 60 responses on that one LinkedIn. I think it's had, had 4,000 views. And so, you know, that's what it's about. And it's about, you know, I talked earlier to someone about, you know, the benefit of the doubt, I guess, you know, but I always have this saying, a colonel told me, find 99 ways to say yes, one way to say no. And I think 
that's a good leadership trait of always trying to figure out how can we help? How can we make this work instead of being that person that just starts with no? And so, you know, I'm so, hey, Robin, thanks for joining us. I want to thank everybody for joining this. It was a really good turnout. Joshua, amazing. You really helped us out. And I know you answered some great questions. And thanks for your, how, how long do you have left in the military? I have five years until I'm eligible to retire, which uh, if I'm in a position that I, I find no reason in leaving, that I will stay in the Air Force. There you go. Well, that is awesome. And we're glad you're in the Air Force. We're glad you're serving our country. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody out there that may have a recruit at boot camp, active duty veteran. We appreciate your service. Thank you for joining me on recruitgraduation.blog. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you, everyone. And have a great evening.